Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys, NetsDaily.com, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere where you get the pod, you can get us, Brian. I think my levels are peaking pretty hard on that hello. I'm worried about it, but we'll, we'll be fine. The Nets are back. The Nets are back. <laughs> They're really not, though. They truly, truly could not be further away from being back right now. Um, it feels like forever. If you could power rank the off the teams that aren't playing basketball but that are being talked about, you would go the Lakers number one. You would go the Knicks number two. I think you would go the Nets number three. I think could the be. Nets are the second, third most buzzed about team in the NBA that isn't playing basketball right now. You know who's buzzing a lot that doesn't play basketball is Kobe Bryant. Every time I turn on first take or anything else, it's it's a Kawhi v Kobe Bryant conversation. Um. And I don't I, like it. I don't care. I don't like it. We I thought we were done do, with this guy. We need to do a detailed parody of like us analyzing Reggie Evans's game. In the have you watched detail? By the way, it is. It's a fun, unfiltered watch because it's just Kobe speaking into a microphone in a what darkened is it? room. I don't even know what it is. So Kobe does these things detail where he breaks down certain players and. It, oh, so, so it's part of ESPN Plus, the excellent extra service you can get from ESPN if you pay yeah, more money. Yeah, a little plug. Okay. A um, little plug. They need it. You know, ESPN needs the bump, the glue guys bump. We give it to a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, we're going to give it to ESPN today. A little company that could. small guys for sure. No, nah, it's just it's it's Kobe Bryant um, analyzing a person's game. So, like, he'll do James Harden or Giannis, and he'll go through clips of them and describing it, but... The presentation of it is you just watching the clips and you hear Kobe's voice just sort of calmly talking over this guy doing the thing that Kobe says he is doing. Um, he's only done him of the great players. I want him to do it of someone like Reggie Evans. Or Oh, I like that. You know, he, he needs to dig into – he needs to do a bad player. Like he yeah. needs to talk about why this guy stinks. I'm not saying that Reggie Evans does. We're – well, actually, you, you've just liked Reggie Evans for a long the time. The most interesting version of that is, like, why, like, I don't know, vet, like, Marvin Williams, you know? Why, yes. What about his, why Why does he stuck it out versus so many others? Well, or, like, give me Jeff Green. Like, give yeah. me the guy who we know is ultra-talented but, like, has never fully put it to obviously, has never fully put it together. Show me why Jeff Green isn't, you know, the next LeBron James while he's, you know, a nice role player, but <laughs> he, nothing behind that. Yeah, you need some evidence because you're you're not sure of that one. Um, one player that Kobe has for sure detailed um, is Kyrie Irving, Brian. Uh, Kyrie Irving is the oh, We're going right into it. That we're getting right into it. So this pod will be partly, it's me getting off some Kyrie Irving thoughts. We're going to do a little NBA draft talk. Um, all of these pods coming up from now until July 1st, actually June 30th, when free agency begins, will be... We'll be we'll be churning out the free agency talk because this team is going to continue. The Nets are going to continue to be players within free agency as we lead up to free agency. But Brian, 
The buzz is building for Kyrie to Brooklyn. Can you feel it? Can you can you taste it? That groundswell is it's starting to to boil over. It's bubbling. It's oozing out of the, it's like the hydrofracking. It's coming out of the faucet right now. You know, uh, I'm I'm worried, Bry. I'm like straight <laughs> You're up worried, worried about that that brown water, that toxic water, aren't you? I'm I'm quite worried because. Um, <laughs> Like we had that for the longest time, it was Kyrie, KD going to the Knicks. And while I don't really want to see that come to fruition, because no one wants the Knicks to be good, if if you're a supporter of the Nets, um, I was content that at least the Nets have carved out the corner of being long-term thinkers, playing chess when everyone's playing checkers, culture, culture, culture. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to build this thing smart, organically. We're not going to five guys this. We're not going to have a few locations and then blow up mega size in terms of franchising and then slowly have to cut back locations, fire people, lay people off, and destroy lives. Yeah. Um, by the way, Five Guys, if you want to sponsor us, please do. Um, I've recently but, had way too many conversations about Five Guys versus Shake Shack, and I really am not understanding it. Well, tell me what, what's the conversations are at in terms of like better. Well, people burger. are coming at me like, shit, like Five Guys is good, and I'm just like, I serviceable. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, in a pinch, there's a five guys fine, but it's the same thing with the in and out. I went to, I, and I have no, I don't have a dog in the race. I'm not like an East coast V West coast, like burger butthole. You know, that's not my thing, <laughs> but, but like I, you know, Shake Shack is just objectively like really good compared to like most fast food things. And in and out is definitely fast food. It's on the McDonald's spectrum. No, no hate. I love McDonald's, but it's not Shake Shack. Anyways, sorry. Well, and, and I'll say this. So I do think the platform sort of – if we're, we're talking about the NBA draft, right? And everyone likes to break guys out into tiers. And you have the Zion Williamson, John Morant tier. You have R.J. Barrett. I think Shake Shack and Five Guys are on the same tier, though they're both trying to hit different segments of the audience. And I think Five Guys is just above the cutoff line for that tier – where Shake Shack is on the higher end of that mm. tier, if you know what I'm trying to say. He's the A A plus goose that gold that, that laid the golden egg kind of prospect. And And Five Guys is like Yeah. Five it's Guys RJ is Barrett. something different. <laughs> it, it's it's the wing who developed a three point shot but really can't dribble and yeah. doesn't create for anyone else, but like does you know, does the job that it, it is intended to do. It does bring things to the table. Um yeah. but it isn't Shake Shack, though I also in and out checks. is Hassan Adams, you know. In and out is <laughs> Marshawn Brooks. Is that, yeah, is it, yes. In and out is Marshawn Brooks is the in and out of, of professional sports for sure. You know, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie got some a lot of reaction on Twitter about he tweeted that Kawhi Leonard is what Jon Snow was supposed to be, what we were promised from Jon Snow, and I mm-hmm. do feel like the prince that was promised was Marshawn Brooks, if there was mm-hmm. ever a prince that was promised. Yeah. Um, and we've never actually met. That prince, as we he, never he met got him. He some burns here in Memphis, or didn't he? I feel like he got some some minutes. Yeah, I think because they they had two Brookses, right? They had the Dude, Dylan Brooks and Marshawn Brooks. I remember, and I've talked about this on the show probably a year ago. And I, I went back and watched some highlights when he was playing just a a two man game with Greg Oden in China, and they were both <laughs> of them dropping like forty a night, just killing it, absolutely crushing. Um, I still need the, we still need the statistical model for success in the Chinese basketball league, how it translates to the NBA, because yeah. like it was, remember Andre Blasch like went to China and just destroyed it. Obviously Stefan Marbury is the greatest. He's even great. He's the Babe Ruth of Chinese basketball. He is. There does need to be a way to aggregate that data, especially for G league. Like what, like 
professional players, yeah, there, there needs to be some kind of like uh, handy like conversion chart, like in the back of a notebook, you know. Well, G and so you mean G League to NBA or ch- CBL? Well, both, all of them, you know, but G League especially. Right, because there's nothing that makes sense from G League stats, and it's funny. It's like when the Nets brought up, gosh, I for, even forget his name. They brought up someone in the G League. Well, I, I'll go with Mitch Creek, but it, Mitch Creek isn't who I'm thinking of. But like Mitch Creek averaged like 11 points a game in the G League, but but yet like John and Musa was averaging 25, five and five. Like he mm-hmm. he's basically the LeBron James of the G League, but he didn't play as much as Mitch Creek played with the Nets. It's right. like how. How could Musa be averaging that much, but like not really ever get a look? But Mitch Creek is like a role player in the G League. I guess it's just that like the uh, role that talk- he was doing. Oh, we talked about this with David Pick, and I forget what the answer was. I probably something I should listen back to, but like maybe we didn't even ask this. But this is a question that I have now for him. We got to get him back on. Um, it's like how like like ever like there'll be prospects in the European leagues that average like two points and you know three rebounds and are considered like the highest tier premium like prospects and it's like how how does that happen what is it what is going on here how is this possible like even like i get it like you can you can you know they're they're passing the eye test and like there's all kinds of politicking involved but like what are those politics well and i'll I'll do a quick preview of some of my nba draft thoughts that i'll tag on near the end of this podcast but brian i urge you to read about there's a guy on the santa cruz warriors the warriors g league team called Alan Samaljic, Samaljic, mm-hmm. um, super interesting. There's the San Francisco Ar- Chronicle article about him. Um, I heard about this first on the Ringers NBA podcast, so I'll give credit to them, and then it filtered down to me. The, he is a 6'10 Croatian who was discovered by Joe Lacob's son, who runs the G League team for the Warriors, discovered him in Croatia. He's 6'10, athletic three-point shot he was playing third division serbian basketball mm. and lake up and the guy walked talked to him and they had a conversation the guy was like i'm interested in coming to the nba he's on the g league roster for the warriors the santa cruz warriors and he's draft eligible now he actually is a he's one of like the few europeans who came over just to play in the g league to hopefully become an nba player and he's now draft eligible and now there's like almost a fear out there for the Warriors that there was a belief that the Warriors were hiding him because they, they would not let him participate in this G League showcase. And it's really a really super fun article to read. And it's going to be fun to track who this guy is because, again, 6'10", athletic, three-point shooter. Um, like you can immediately understand why he's a, a draft prospect. Mm-hmm. And like the Warriors could could screw that they developed this guy and they – because he's now getting some buzz, some light smattering of buzz, he could be drafted before the Warriors pick because I think they picked like 29 overall or something. But that's that's part of my draft preview that we'll do at the yeah. end of this. But really what I wanted to talk about was uh, my fear, essentially, that Kyrie Irving is going to sign with the Nets. I am afraid of that. I, wow. don't, I don't want it to happen, Brian. I know this is crazy. I know that this is feeding into... This bot- drinking the Kool-Aid of Sean Marks and believing the culture, culture, culture and believing that, you know, this team needs to build smartly and organically and all that stuff. But like we have to know by now, as people who have followed the Nets, that a point guard that talented but yet that enigmatic is not the guy that you want leading your team. We have all of this evidence, Brian, 
and mm-hmm. we cannot continue on this path. It cannot happen. What if I could frame this for you in a way that you have to agree with me that this <laughs> needs to happen? <laughs> are, you, are you ready? I love this, yes. In a binary where you have two options. If Kyrie and KD go to the Knicks and not the Nets, or if, if they go to the Nets and not the Knicks. That's the binary. Would you want to, if, if by virtue of saying no to both of those players, not pursuing them, they both go to the Knicks, does that make you happy? Does that make, does that make the future brighter or, or less bright for you? So you're saying that in order to get KD, we have to get Kyrie. Um, so I, I would, so the way that I'm just sort of like analyzing this is like there's only a very few places where these guys can go. I feel pretty strong that Kyrie is going to leave Boston. Like I think that that's, that that's a pretty heavy meme, you yes. know? And I think that wherever he lands, if there's room for Kevin Durant, that increases their chances exponentially. So yes. let's say they're the only few players in the market are Clippers, Nets, and Knicks, true players. I don't even I, I think that the Clippers obviously have like all their, you know, they're they're throwing money at, at the Jimmy Butlers and Kawhi Leonard's, it seems like I, I always see their like names bandied about for that. So I'm just kind of assuming that it's a it's a two Two horse race here a little bit, Mike. Yes, yes. that's a little bit of my my internal math. So if if you're saying no, then that's where they're going to end up. You're by you're de facto sending them to the Knicks. And and I appreciate this argument. And I I if it came down to the scenario that you're proposing, which is the fact that for the Nets to get Kevin Durant or the Nets to get Kyrie, they have to they would have to be a package deal. Like the only way you're getting Kevin Durant is if Kyrie is coming. And for that to happen, the Nets must be showing interest in Kyrie because they understand on some level, whether through back channels or something else, that Kevin Durant will only go to the Nets if Kyrie is part of that. And I do understand that. What I would say, though, is that I don't think getting Kyrie, and I I know you're not saying this, but I don't think getting Kyrie guarantees you Kevin Durant. And Mm -hmm. I think the flirtation of trying to get Kyrie is is potentially damaging enough to damage your relationship with D'Angelo Russell. Now, I understand that D'Angelo Russell actually has no say in the matter because he can get a, a max contract from the Phoenix Suns or the Indiana Pacers or the Utah Jazz, and the Nets have complete control in that situation of then deciding what to do with it. And if D'Lo's feelings are hurt by their flirtations with Kyrie Irving and Kyrie doesn't sign with the Nets... It almost doesn't matter because the Nets can say, well, we were exploring our options. Here's all the money that you want. Come back to us, and then we'll all feel happy in December. But I don't think it's healthy. So let me start by just focusing on Kyrie Irving. We know that Kyrie Irving is not someone that is a positive force on your team. That it can be definitively said. Now, I also think there's shades of gray in that situation. I don't believe that he's as bad as it seems. But having lived through Darren Williams and have, if you just dive back into the Wikipedia of the Nets and to see all of the temperamental Nets point guards that have led this team, rarely does it really work out that a guy like that ends up leading your team to success. You could argue that Jason Kidd was a temperamental guy before, I mean, he certainly had legal issues before he came to the Nets, but you could argue he was a temperamental guy, too, before coming to the Nets, and he ended up being pretty successful. I 
I don't want Kyrie Irving on the Nets. I don't want him. He doesn't... Even if that means getting taking L's against the Knicks in the playoffs for the next four years. So, I don't think getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving would mean that the Knicks are suddenly a phenomenally crafted team. Now, now so, I because I, I can... I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not an idiot. Obviously, those two guys on the floor is like uh, they're immediately a top four team in the East, and I totally get that. Um, but I also understand that like the rest of their team is horrible. Like, I don't think people are talking about that enough. That after trading Porzingis, the rest of the Knicks, the rest of the Knicks are horrible, and they may get RJ Barrett in the draft, and I like RJ Barrett a lot, but the rest of that team is just like totally. Has, Kevin Knox is nothing. He was statistically one of the worst players in the NBA last year. Frank Nilakina is one of the worst offensive guards in the NBA. Beyond that, you have Mitchell Robinson, who I liked in the draft leading up to the draft because you don't get a seven foot one guy that talented. And yes, he is talented, but Jared Allen is twenty times better than Mitchell Robinson. So, I, I mean, I, they would have to still do so much to make that team better than the fourth seed in the NBA. They still aren't as good as the Sixers. They're still not as good as potentially as Boston. They're not as good as the Raptors if Kawhi stays, and they're not as good as the Bucs. And I'm confident the Nets could build it up. I don't know. So, okay, so in your ideal situation, obviously you're trying to just pluck Kevin Durant away solo. That's your your preferred situation. Absolutely. Or or Kawhi Leonard. Let's not... Yeah, I I don't... Dude... Let's not forget, he, there's a lot of connections with the Nets, and we are led to believe through multiple reporting that Kawhi Leonard would consider the Nets, and we're also led to believe through multiple reporting that Kawhi is going to the Clippers. So the fact that the Kawhi is going to the Clippers makes it seem like he's up to be had, that even this finals run may not impact him. I see. I know. I know. I'm kind of crazy right now. We haven't. No, I mean, like, the way that we're, we're talking about this up. is hilarious because, like, we're both so, um, like, we've just been completely you know we're we're in hook line and sinker on these headlines about rumors with Kyrie Irving going to the Nets um and again we keep talking about this interesting new paradigm where you know we're prioritizing this nebulous culture thing over like short-term wins um and also like more glaringly that recent headline from Pooch and and Brian Lewis about how they're trying to pair D'Angelo Russell with Kyrie Irving um is pretty well, okay, a pretty radical you. departure from what we wanted it to be, which is just Kevin Durant and D'Angelo Russell pairing. What do you make of? So, what would you make of in a, in that world the Kyrie D'Lo backcourt? What, I'll, what I'll would be, you be a million percent honest with you. I think that from from every like level of like, if I understand Kyrie Irving, and I think I do a little bit, you know, more than most, maybe just I have a strong EQ, really high EQ. <laughs> um, you know that. Um, I think if I had to guess. The just like a guy like that who's like sort of conscious of his Q rating to a certain extent at this point, but like, um, and, and is more like generally kind of conscious of, uh, of like where he f- fits into a into the basketball geometry of things and also just sees the writing on the wall with James Dolan and the Knicks and all that, but does also want to leave Boston. I do think it's probable that you know that 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 Vegas odds thing about you know, the Nets having the highest odds to land Kyrie Irving, there's a lot to that. And it probably comes from, you know, his camp internally, that that's maybe where he is. That's where he's leaning in internally, you know? Um, so my worry with that, and this is like, <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be original here, 
this is a point that's been made throughout multiple people who watch basketball is the fact that if Kyrie comes here and Kevin Durant isn't part of that package, Kyrie is then the immediately shot to the top of the leadership board for the Nets. He becomes the guy everyone's talking to. He's on, you know, get up in the morning to do an interview with Jalen Rose and Mike Greenberg talking about the Nets. You know, he's he's on he's in the New York Post back page or whatever, the new Daily News, even though they don't have uh, a Nets beat writer. So, you know, they may want to hire someone. I don't know who that would be. But the here's the thing. We understand Kyrie being the leader of a team. I know how lame this sounds, but it doesn't work. We've already seen it not working in Boston, a pretty nice situation. It didn't work in Cleveland when it was just Kyrie, but he was super young. So that's, you know, I, I, I can't really, like, extrapolate that scenario really I, I have a meme for this. I have a meme for this. Are you ready? Please. I'm ready. I think... <laughs> That that face did not seem like it was ready. Please, I'm ready. <laughs> this, I'm that was missing. This. That was missing this gesture. Oh, I'm right. Well, I'm right. <laughs> um, here's the meme: Brad Stevens, deft strategist. You know, a good coach in general, not great at managing personalities. He does not have the biggest personality in the room, and you know, in terms of steering a years long, semi star laden ship. That's a big part of it at the professional level. And Kenny Atkinson is just that, that a special kind of hard ass, you know, that just doesn't care about, it seems that he doesn't care about personalities on a pretty, like that My again, I'm invoking my EQ here. I don't really know this because he's never really coached like a superstar player or whatever. But my sense for Kenny Atkinson, just based on the, the amount, the, the crevices in his forehead, the deep crags in his skin and the, <laughs> the level of seriousness that he, that he projects um, leads me to think he'd be better at managing bigger personalities, people that make significantly more money than he does, um, and all that that all that comes with that than Brad Stevens. Because Brad Stevens, I hate to say it, looks like a child, and he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't have the ability to really uh, communicate on that level. Is my is my sneaking suspicion? So like you know, while that's a pretty like big out for Kyrie Irving and all this, like in his like level of toxicity, I'm a, this is a big sell obviously for for Kyrie Irving because obviously like you're you know if you don't have a big enough personality that you combat with Brett Stevens and what he's trying to do, it's a it's a you know mute, uh, moot point anyways. But let's say he's doing a bad job of of mitigating for that. Um, I think that we can pick up the pieces and 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 really maximize those two their combined ability i don't know i think if we lay if we end up with Kyrie Irving in this offseason it's a massive win there's no two ways to spin that yeah i know and so if if we're doing a pod on july 15th and the nets have has secured the rights to Kyrie Irving and whatever they do with deal after that that that's a whole other discussion whether the angle is getting both they, right. So the goal right now is actually to create like a Portland situation in the East, which is like two pretty dominant ball handlers who can both shoot three pointers really well playing off of each other. And I totally could see it working. I mean, like, so, so subtext to not subtext, but like uh, an offshoot of this argument is like, could D'Lo and Kyrie actually work together? And I think they could. The problem is defensively, they would both be. That would be horrific. You just stepped oh. on my landmine, ready? Because I, I've been trolling around the Nets Daily comment boards, and that conversation was had exactly. And both Kyrie Irving and D'Angelo Russell have individually higher uh, defensive ratings than Lillard and McCollum. Uh, um, well, but I'm not comparing them. I'm talking about just having watched basketball. Well, I mean, this is a, that's a team that just went to these conference finals. I mean, we we know Western. We know Sorry, Western. 
that Kyrie is not that great of a defender. He's had nice moments, but he's not and a great yet, defender. A better defender and, than both and Lillard and McCollum. We know, we know that D'Lo is a bad defender, and while, yet a better, the best defender in the bunch, statistically. We know because we watch basketball. That he doesn't really try that hard around screens, and he's never going to. There's, there's a couple of glaring spots, but he doesn't eat it in the same way that like uh, you know he's tall. He denies the ball well. He's, there's parts of his game that defensively are underrated. I'm not going to say that like yeah, they're obviously like it's not like a. De- couple of defensive stalwarts here, but still better than the Western Conference finalist team Blizzard's well, backcourt. Well, here, here's here's your – so you're talking about Kenny Atkinson versus Brad Stevens, and I can guarantee you if Kyrie Irving signs with the Nets, there will be a story by probably Brian Lewis in the post um, talking about how Kenny Atkinson was part of the reason why Kyrie joined the Nets because he's a point guard whisperer, that he's done great things with guys in the past – that Kenny Atkinson is the, maybe not Kyrie's camp saying this, but Kenny Atkinson is. So we had all this talk about during the season, D'Lo really credited Kenny Atkinson for helping him and pushing him to get to the point that he's at because Kenny really coached him. And D'Lo went up to Kenny Atkinson after the trade or whatever and said, you know, I want you to push me. I want you to really coach me because that's how I'm going to get better. So I think Kenny Atkinson obviously is an asset in this situation, if it becomes a reality that Kyrie Irving is on the Nets, it would be an asset. But the thing I would caution people about is read stories about Kyrie and Tyron Lue. Lue is is many things as a coach in terms of a negative, potentially. He's not, you know, whatever, innovative offensively or whatever. But I thought his offenses were, were pretty fantastic in Cleveland. But there's stories out there of Tyron Lue pushing Kyrie Irving in practice and Kyrie shutting down that stuff and, and walking away and not talking to Lou for, I think, months at a time or something crazy like that. So there is just too much evidence out there of this particular person not being a great person to put onto a team, particularly a team that is trying to build a Spurs East type of mentality, right? So we've been fed the fact that the Nets are trying to build this culture and we're going to build words right out of Sean Marks' mouth. We're going to build this step-by-step smartly with some growth, like real just little marks. We're going to keep good better every day. Signing Kyrie Irving is taking like five steps forward, and you potentially lose yourself, lose everything that you've built, because what he may do when he comes into this team is he may unfortunately rip off, rip out the culture, put himself wherever that culture heartbeat was, and sort of infect the rest of this team. I'm, I mean, this is a reality. This isn't just like, this is what he does, unfortunately. And I love him on the basketball court. Fantastic. He's great. He's second team all NBA. That's what people forget, too, is that this guy was a top four guard in the NBA. But I don't know, Brian. I'm worried. It's too, mm. bit, too much of a step for me. It's going from holding hands to getting married in a relationship. I'm not ready for it. I'm scared. See, I need I to th- be romantic. I think what scares you about it is that it doesn't move the needle into championship territory. It's not worth it in the short term unless you're going to go that full. Like if you're going to add in potentially toxic players like like Harry Irving, and again, I think toxicity things are overplayed, but that's neither here nor there. For this example, let's say that he's mega toxic, and that all like super you know superstar players have a level of toxicity that's just sort of you know baked into the situation. That it's just adding Kyrie. I mean, like, okay, so let's add Kyrie Irving to this team and run the whole thing back with, like, you know, like, not all the same vets, but similar, if not most of the same. 
Um, <clears throat> where does that get us next season, all things being the same? Um, second round of the playoffs, right? That's just, see, exactly. It's just a second round team. It's not much to build on, which is why I think it's, got, it's probably going to be that package deal, Doc. And the sad part about it is that if it is a package deal, we're going to need to package some players on the way out to take on Allen Crabb's contract to make this all make sense financially. And some of those players are going to have really fun names attached to them, like Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie and Joe Harris. And that's not that's not the thing anybody's ready for. But, you know, that's... What do, we, what do you... So, I mean... So that's the thing, right? Like, So you're, you're talking about... This is what you're... The adding Kyrie and then KD. I'm talking about adding Kyrie, KD, and keeping D'Angelo. That's what I'm talking about. Right. So that this team that we know and love that is so cuddly and sweet and lovely, we are destroying it, mm-hmm. taking it off for parts, and then taking those parts and putting it onto a Frankenstein monster that we hope doesn't kill us. Let me, um, let me tell you this a little bit about like the Spurs culture and all that stuff. Okay, the Spurs culture worked because from like near day one, Popovich was in like going deep into the playoffs with David Robinson and and Tim Duncan. Right. Okay. That's that's not like the 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 winning culture things. It doesn't just like you don't middle and get booted out of the first round for like four years in a row and still be like this culture kicks ass. We love it here. Like that. There is an expiration date to all of these, you know. All of these the alchemies of all these players, you can't keep everybody happy all the time unless there's real growth year over year. You know, that's just a true thing. Well, and and, and like so the Spurs culture overall is it, it's funny, like, you know, everyone sort of fetishizes it a little bit. And of course, everyone wants that that thing. But they had their own problems over the past. I mean, just very recently, they excommunicated. Kawhi Leonard because of his hamstring issue and of course Kawhi Leonard is a partner in that and that maybe he wasn't up to the level that he needed to be he's he is a contributing factor in what happened to him and why he got traded to Toronto but both Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili came out and said negative things about Kawhi Leonard and Greg Popovich was maybe even pushed to that at one point and he said something that wasn't all that great and like you could even go back like pretty far into the past Tony Parker had like um, a weird, I mean, not weird relationship <clears throat> with reportedly like, like was going behind evil and Goria's back with Brent Barry's wife. So like if that had happened with the Knicks, people, that would have been crazy. Right. But because it was the Spurs, everyone was just like, yeah, oh, I guess that that's what happens. You know, mm-hmm. no one cares. So like, even as much as we build up the Spurs, they had their own issues too. And every NBA team is going to have issues. There's no perfect situation. Oh. The, I want to but, point to I want to point to some information here. Look, 1996 please. when uh, Pop took over the team, they were 20 and 62, right? Because that's the year that uh, before Tim Duncan arrived and and David Robinson was hurt. Next year, 56 and 26, right? Lost in the second round of the playoffs, and then from then on, it's just up and up and up and up. Yeah, like there isn't. They're, like this this meme of just like them being like you know they really paid their dues and like like it's just that's not real none of that is real yeah no certainly for the Spurs the the yeah. slow growth building up to what ended up being a championship dynasty yeah they got that, amazing players in the draft and they they tanked the year to get Tim Duncan too right they they were one of the not original tankers but they're one of the seminal success stories of tanking they tanked with David Robinson being hurt and they got Tim Duncan. And that's, that's how, that's why they're now suddenly 
you know, one of the great uh, sort of Mount Rushmore teams in NBA history. But I don't know. I just think it if the Nets make this move to go get Kyrie Irving, and it doesn't come with any any other delicious appetizers or other main courses, it just comes with Kyrie Irving, and it also may come at the cost of D'Angelo Russell. I don't think it's worth it. I don't think what Kyrie brings with him is worth it. They already know what D'Angelo Russell is like, and maybe it's a signal that actually D'Lo is not the person that we're, we saw this past season, that he's there's stuff behind the scenes, that maybe he's not a hard worker, blah, blah all the stuff that comes out after a guy leaves a team. But here's, here's another question for you, a different paradigm to, to think about this thing through. Yes. Okay? This is my kaleidoscope of different perspectives. If you have a culture... That is real, right? Like we're claiming that we have. That's resilient. Mm-hmm. What is the point of fomenting that kind of culture if one player can reverse it overnight by virtue of just getting a plane ticket and landing on your team? That's How much true. of a culture do you actually have at that point? And that's, that's an extremely good point. And was the Celtics culture all that good to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Absolutely. If I'm, if I'm going to defend Kyrie here, what <clears throat> happened was – he was traded to the team. He had no say in that trade. He was traded to a team that he ended up saying he wanted to go to, and he ended up saying at one point at that season ticket holders event where he said, I wanted to be here as long as you guys will have me. But on that team were young point guards who also, like Terry Rozier who wanted more. They wanted more to play with. And had Gordon Haywood, a reclamation project um, that Kyrie thought he was going to play with, and then he gets injured. Gordon Hayward does, and now he – They have to figure that out. They have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum trying to figure out their own way. There's all of this stuff that, like, and the organization is led by a guy in Danny Ainge who traded Isaiah Thomas after his family member was killed. I think it was his sister killed in a car crash. And Isaiah played injured, cost himself tens of millions of dollars. He played injured for the franchise. So Danny Ainge is leading this franchise. So if you, if, Kyrie doesn't deserve all the credit for the bad culture. It's it's led by a guy who, you know, will trade anyone at any moment. He's famous for that, that he'll do that no matter what. So I get that. I just think we've seen it too much. We've read too much now. It's too damaged. It's like it's like an actor who we've seen on People magazine all too often doing bad things, and now we can't see them on the screen being an act. We can't see them playing the role. We just see them as being the person, like Tom Cruise after jumping on the couch for Oprah. For a while, we couldn't see Tom Cruise in a movie because we only thought of that guy jumping on the couch. Kyrie is Tom Cruise. He's yeah, except super... he's got flat earth instead of a couch. He jumped on the, the stupid flat earth thing. They both believe crazy things. <laughs> um, I mean, have, has he actually ever, like, came out and said, like, that was a dumb meme? Like, they, he has to have, right? Yes. Yeah, he, he did. He was like, that's stupid, right? I'm just joking. But I, I think even his explanation, I think, was like sort of he was like, like, do your own research, like to make sure you like it. <laughs> yeah, it was more of like that. It was like, I don't know, like, just, do, you guys do should your own research. Watch it. like a bunch of YouTube videos like I did, like just, you know, hard hitting research. It wasn't like when Steph Curry came out and said, we never went to the moon. I don't believe it. That's a hoax. He said that on the Winging It podcast. But then and he believes like, that, right? He, he ultimately came out and said, I was just like joking. And yeah. I really like I'm like then they visited NASA in Houston and like. He did oh, all good. this stuff. Kyrie never visited the the spherical Earth Center in you know Wichita, Kansas. He only that's not where that is. It's not in Wichita. No, that's oh, where, where the flat the flat Earth. Oh, is in that Wichita. is where the flat Earth people are. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. it's yeah. flat there. Yeah. Have you ever been in a place that's really flat? It is scary. 
Yeah, in that driving across the plains, it's pretty weird. I was in Delaware for this past weekend, and <laughs> not, Delaware not that flat. I mean, relatively speaking, it's pretty flat. You it's get that water gap? Come on, that's a pretty that's a pretty big gap. Not the Delaware, but I was at <laughs> I was at the beach. We were driving back to the beach. There's a lot of agriculture. <laughs> like I was looking at the beach. I was like, man, that beach is flat. <laughs> <It's a> flat. <laughs> <laughs> no, like look at the other way. Look away from sure, the beach. Turn, you, go west. Yeah. And it's very flat. I think people like, think more of like, flat. you know, the Dakotas or like, you know, Wyoming or something. Delaware oh. is the Dakotas of the East Coast. Yeah. Hot take. Shots Hot fired. Take. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to all three of our Delaware listeners. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. um, so th- this is this is my going to be my stance throughout the entirety of this offseason until they sign him. And then I will support Kyrie Irving. So here's my my feeling going into this. If we sign anybody at that level, that is... Like our first, outside of stupid Darren Williams, who signed with us in free agency, this will be the first free agency signing, like, of a non incumbent player in, like, ever. Like, as far as I can remember, when did we get a big free agent to sign with the Nets? Like, we've been, it's been rumored about, we had the Dwight Mayor, we've had all, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, this would be at least evidence that all of this hullabaloo about culture, whatever, can be built upon and mean something more valuable than just like, you know, having cuddly first round exit teams. And it would justify the move to Brooklyn because I don't know if this like happens if you're still in New Jersey. Like I do think like now the Nets are being mentioned as the second New York team more than they would have been if they were in New Jersey, unfortunately, you know, like, so, players can players can believe themselves to be you know and adding to that you're beating out the knicks in this market if you do get these players you are beating it is there is no two ways about it you've beat out your competition in the market oh man i mean that is something that would be for those for that week like that fourth of july week if the nets signed Kyrie and kd like that would then leave the knicks with nothing and then they signed kemba walker to the Supermax deal or whatever it is, and they signed Chris Middleton. And it's like that 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 week would be mm-hmm. – and, of course, then the weeks of basketball would be so sweet. It would be so tasty from so our You're seeing it now. You're seeing it. Things are cuddly now, but you want them to get juicy, you know? You want things to be a little bit more sexual than cuddly. Okay, you're, ta- <laughs> you're, talking, about, you're talking about a nice, acute, you know, high school romance, and I'm trying to get to the collegiate level here. You know what I'm saying? Um. <laughs> um yeah man i know i and i, I know and I, everyone's like at a shift get a sh- you have to believe in your own culture the own culture that you yourselves are are you know touting and all this stuff believe in that culture to the point that it can sustain these bigger personalities well and it would be you know as you're saying it's like You've built this culture. What's the point of doing it if if you then can't assimilate people that maybe are not fully, like, like perfectly, yeah, like mold per- them, perfect you know? professionals, right? Like, yeah. like, yeah, Jared Dudley can be inserted into the Nets because he's seemingly a perfect professional. He does the right things. He talks. He communicates. He he tries to uplift his teammates. He goes out there and lays his body on the line. Jared Dudley fits into the Nets culture because he he already in, has culture instilled in him. Um, the culture also should pay off in other ways. There should be a benefit to that culture more than just like we just like each other and we eat mac and cheese together. 
mm-hmm. you know? This is more about than eating mac and cheese together. This is about winning basketball games. I get it. And I, I know I'll be very excited if I get a text to my phone or a, ble- a Bleacher Report update that says the Nets have signed Kyrie Irving to a max contract for four years. I will be excited and we'll do a podcast and I will be yelling and screaming and laughing at the Knicks. Mike, but I also will know I will have this institutional knowledge with Kyrie and I won't trust him for at least a year. Just won't trust him. Won't That's happen. That's fine. That's fine. We do need to start thinking about this in a very serious way, though, Mike, because Vegas odds are not a joking matter. They take that stuff super deeper seriously, you know, and they're not often wrong. Well, and like transition quickly to Game of Thrones, Vegas before the season said Bran would be the would sit on the Iron Throne would well, you know, would be the king of Westeros or whatever they want to describe it. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, he did so. Um, they were right there. That Vegas crazy. has a way of, of knowing things in advance. That's, you know, that's just a thing that Vegas has going for it. I don't know, man. So we it, have to begin to, to, to feel like, you know, we're putting on our big boy pants here. All right. We're getting to that next level, Mike, and you got to come with me. Okay. But I wonder what would, what has changed with the Knicks? Cause we were told for, cause I, there's been a noticeable change in the reporting. Cause the, the, for let's say three months ago, it was Kyrie's going to the Knicks and Kevin Durant's going to the Knicks. And then slowly there's been these stories coming out from many sources, Anthony Puccio, one of, one of them, being Kyrie is considering the Nets. That, and so we're getting more of that. So I don't know what changed with the Knicks besides that they didn't win Zion Williamson in, in the lottery. And I yeah. can't imagine that that is the thing that is making Kyrie Irving not want to be with the Knicks. Like, oh, why? I mean, that's definitely like the nail in the coffin. I think that those like reports had been trending away from the Knicks for months and months. But um, I mean, it's it's impossible to overstate how important getting that first overall pick was, and for that to go to the one team where they thought they could have an out with it is <clears throat> just like really devastating. Super perfect. I mean, devastating in a, in a delicious way that that I love. But um, yeah, I mean, like I think that that. Like, that's why I think that our odds are as good as they are. Um, So we're going to talk about free agency stuff all up until free agency. And then we're going to do free agency pods. And we're talking about what happened in free agency. We're just going to keep it rolling. Oh, should we play play our our voicemail? Oh, yeah. Let's play our voicemail. Let's do that. Hang on. Let me pull that. While while you're looking for it, let's go to a quick break. Then we'll come back. Voicemail, NBA draft thoughts. All right. And we're back. Oh, okay. Here's a voicemail from your boy. Mike Duelka, this is a, I believe a first time, long long time. I, mean, I don't know, just a first time, um, and it's a video or sorry, an audio recording. So how fun is that, Mike? Here it comes. Hey, this is Matty D. Uh, wanted to ask you your thoughts on if Kyrie is the best free agent signing uh, the Nets have this off season. Do you think the Nets would trot out a lineup of five guards with possibly uh, Dinwiddie at the five? So that would be D'Lo, Kyrie, and the one and two. Maybe uh, Karras at the three, Joe Harris at the four, and then Dinwiddie at the five. I think uh, that would be the craziest thing I've seen on the court, but it also might be a ton of fun. I uh, just wanted to, to see your thoughts on that. All right. Love the pod. Thanks. Maddie, we love you. Um, not that crazy of an idea. We, I think we ran. We saw some Damari Carroll at the five at times this season. Some Travion Graham at the five at times when things were really in a in a dire spot. Um, 
So, I mean, I get look, look at how people are just talking about this as if it's like you know going to happen this Kyrie to the next thing. That's <laughs> that's the amount of confidence I'm seeing, and I and I really like it. Um, but yeah, I think that like so also basketball wise, like we we need another center. We need that bull bull. Like let's hook up that bull bull pick one million. Let's get that bull bull. Yeah, get taco that bull bull too, man, dude. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm on the taco fall train. I'm on the taco fall. Oh, uh, dude, yeah. helium okay. balloon. I'm on the Taco <laughs> Fall helicopter. Where is the Give highest Taco, Taco Falls projected to go? Have we have we aggregated that yet? Um, and this will be coming up in our NBA draft thing. Uh, he's going to be within range for that Nets' second first round pick, mm-hmm. and obviously the first Knicks pick because the first Knicks pick, or you know, the Knicks, the Nets have the Knicks second round pick, which is number one overall in the second round. Um, dude, I saw Nets how a stupid meme player like Boban was like super like a super high utility player in the playoffs. Like I want some of that. Give me some of that. That So that's what I'm talking about. Is it like, okay, I, I know taco fall is controversial because he is like one of the slowest players uh, recorded at the combine. And he probably physically, it's not a picture of health because when you're that tall, it's not like great for you. I don't know how he isn't effective playing eight minutes a half playing 16 minutes overall game, coming in twice every half, playing, like, short periods of time. Like, how could that guy not be effective? Like, how he's he's so tall. He is the tallest, longest player in the NBA since since Manute Bowl, I think. I think he's the tallest, longest, if not the tallest, longest. He's pretty good at Central Florida. Um, he's productive. If you put him in and just like kind of like, gets out like of a, a, a little game plan with him, like it's gonna work. Give me, give me an outlet pass. You know, run him out. Like we, we really there for like, you know. I, I think I, I mean just basically the way that the the Sixers worked with Boban, just try to get a, like a crazy fast break with you know someone like Spencer Dinwiddie or Levert, you know, playing the sort of role of Ben Simmons and wait for Boban to trot his ass up up court and you know and then hunker down on on. Uh, Whatever that mismatch is that that comes down the pike. Um, as far as like a second uh, second team offense goes, like that's pretty that's pretty good. I could do that. Well, and and it's like the fact that if he's playing on your bench unit, okay. I know this is like we all wanted this taco fall conversation, and I'm glad you yeah. all were here for it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like so he's going against other bench players, right? So like he's not going against the creme de la creme. He's not going against Draymond Green, who Draymond Green would like run around the floor, and Taco Fall would just be like destroyed. He's going against guys who stink, like the Luke Cornets, um, you know, the Zellers. He's going against whoever else is out there who's not good and who's a backup big. So he his height would be more of an advantage. His lack of speed would not be as bad because the guys he's playing with on the floor at the time would not be as quick as the starters. Most likely would not be as skilled to get around him. Like, I don't – the only way he doesn't work in the NBA, I really believe that – is that if he's an injury problem, and I haven't seen an injury history that is like, so we love Bull Bull. We're Team Bull Bull. I do see a, a, a future where Bull Bull doesn't work because he is like a bad foot and he's that tall. Like, he, he doesn't like, he doesn't outwardly look all that athletic. Um, so I understand my Bull Bull may not work because he has all those issues. I'm like, I'm just, dude, like, take. Grab Taco Fall with that first second round pick that you have, or buy another second round pick and take him with that other one, the second one you would have. 
because you may need extra picks because you're going to trade them with an Allen Crab deal. I'm I'm all in on Taco. I I I don't just watch him play some basketball. Like there's skill there, um, and that size is is an absolute. He's five inches taller than, well, he's at least three inches taller than Brook Lopez. Okay, we all know how tall Brook Lopez is in person. He's at least three, if not four, if not five inches taller than Brook Lopez. That's just like freakishly tall. You want that on basketball court. That's amazing. <laughs> you just um, want it. You just get it. You want it. You get it. You have to have it. Um, but to answer Matty D's question, like, heck yeah, dude, run out all the meme lineups. Like, what, if in a world where we get Kyrie Irving, we're going to need to, you know, do all kinds of stupid stuff. Um, and, it's going to be great. And what I love about that lineup would be, like, beyond Levert, who actually improved the three-point shooting, you'd have three-point shooters all over the floor. So it allows you to have, like, a really interesting structured lineup. Of course, defensively, you would you would be pretty bad you'd have to switch everything and do all the things that you have to do when you have a really small lineup but every rebound that you do get you're running up the floor because everyone's flying up the floor you're getting open three-point shots off a transition um you have really interesting pick and roll situations where like Dinwiddie and Joe Harris are setting the pick for Kyrie or D'Lo um Karis LeVert actually may want to be your ball handler because he can use his athleticism and ball handling around you know, like, who is the center guard to guard in that lineup? Who's even a power forward going to guard in that lineup? I love it. I want to see that. I mean, as much as I don't want Kyrie on the nets, I want to see something like that, at least mm. for a short period of time. Um, All right, get us out of here, Mike. Um, quick, quick NBA draft thing. I just want to leave oh. one more thought with you. Sorry, go ahead. Um, you were talking about Bull Bull. You want Bull Bull? Sure. Um, the nets have been mocked. To have the Oregon Center, um, I think what we all have to do is read a little bit about his injury history. But if he fell to the Nets, I'd be super duper happy. I think. Well, well let's do this. Let's next episode. I'm going to dump out some more guys that I'm really intrigued by, and I'll just say this as sort of a tease for next episode. I think there's a lot of guys in this draft that are could be within the Nets range at 17. I think at 31 is one of their other picks. Or you know, that's the that's the next one at like twenty seven and thirty one. I think there's a lot of guys that actually fill the need that the Nets have right now, which is that four. You know, an athletic four, uh, a nice like a good three point shooting power forward type. There's a lot of guys in this draft that that fill this out. And even though we're told this draft is maybe average at best, I think this is a great draft for the Nets. There's just just go through ESPN.com's power rankings of prospects. You're going to see a lot of small forward, power forward, center types who have some skill. And I'm like pretty – I'm getting more excited, and I almost want the Nets to acquire another first-round pick from someone, not get rid of one in an Allen Crabb deal because oh, wow. I'm, I think this is going to be a good draft for the Nets. Um, cool. Lots to look forward to. That's it, Bri. Thank you so much for uh, having me on your show. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> get us uh, out of here, Mike. NetsDaily.com, at BK Glue Guys on Twitter, iTunes, Spotify, everywhere that you get a podcast, you can get us. Rate us five stars. We need them. We want them. We have to have them. Brian, the Nets are back. Okay, buddy. Hey, thanks, everybody. Take care now. Yeah, boy.